This creature from the dirt defied the everlasting holy God. God, for the glory of his name, is reconciling and reclaiming all things to himself. He's just yearning for you. He's longing for you. He wants friendship and relationship with you. He needs you. Oh, you're breaking his heart. No, he's going to break you. Self-esteem, that is a satanic idea. You're not as important as you think you are. This, like, when you say, I, I just can't believe in a God that would, you realize it doesn't matter. You don't get to define God. This is what's wrong with the Christian church today. We don't know who God is. Give us some men who know the truth. One man, Jew and Gentile, bond and free. One, there is no race in Christ Jesus. Oh, how a man needs to fear God that that man might cling to his word. Give us some preachers who aren't tripping over their skirt to get into the pulpit. What's wrong with you people? Thank you for tuning in to Matter of Theology. We have a very special show today, uh, and we have a very special guest today. But uh, today we are going to be discussing 1 Samuel 15. This was a topic that was suggested by a friend of the show. Uh, so we're going to hit a lot of a lot of points, go, going to go deep into this passage, the context of 1 Samuel and of 1 Samuel 15. And to help us do that, we have Brad Weber from Theology Nights, and you may uh, recognize the name. I've shared some of his stuff on our page uh, and just through Facebook and told y'all to, you know, go follow Theology Nights. Uh, but with us to help us explain this and, and to basically teach us, uh, we've got Brad Weber. Brad, how you doing, we, man? We must be talking about a different topic then if I'm going to be <laughs> doing the teaching because I was hoping that I could just sort of like hang out in the back and, you know, interject a joke here and there. And <laughs> no, 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 no. That's my job. You're not oh, taking my man. job. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't that click job join, is taken. <laughs> I didn't click join session soon enough. I should have got here sooner and I would have been That's able to do right. that. Yeah. But, but yeah, That's... no, thank you guys so much. I really uh, I really appreciate you guys having me on. It's It's an honor. I'm always... Uh, I'm always humbled when somebody would reach out and ask, and so I'm grateful that we were able to make the connection and uh, and yeah, chat yeah. a little bit tonight. Yeah, man. Well, so go, take a couple minutes and just tell some of the people who you are, what you do, um, and basically just promote your stuff. You okay. Know? Yeah, so I am uh, married. My wife and I, we have two dogs, uh, Tiger and Rory. Uh, they are rescue Great Dane mixes. Wow. And yes, they are named after the golfers, Tiger and Rory, because I am a huge golf fan. And my wife picked those names, and that just sort of solidified that she loves me. And so, there you go. Uh, yeah, they, we adopted them about a year ago. They were abandoned, underweight, all that stuff. And mm -hmm. uh, now they're just part of our family, and we love them very much. Uh, we live just outside of Youngstown, Ohio, um, northeast Ohio area, right on the Ohio PA line. Uh, I'm an associate pastor for a small Southern Baptist church. I am a business owner. I have a uh, media company where I do content creation and uh, social media management for churches, small businesses, entrepreneurs, things like that. Mm. Uh, I am a student at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary working on my MDiv. Nice. I will be done, Lord willing, next year. 
Uh, I am in Hebrew now, so as soon as that's done, then I'm, I, can, I can pretty much finalize some stuff. Uh, so hopefully next year, everything moving uh, forward, I'll be uh, done next year. And the big thing that I do is Theology Nights. I started a uh, um, live show, live webcast. I've never really figured out the proper name to call it. It's just a live show. Uh, started uh, about a year and a half ago now, and uh, I was doing Friday night live shows on Facebook, and then from that it just sort of blew up into, uh, we offered it in a podcast form, um, we do uh, a weekly live show still with interviews, and we have uh, authors and theologians and pastors on the show. Uh, we do Logos training. I'm a big fan of Logos Bible software, so I do tips and tricks videos like that. Um, but I just always have wanted to, I love social media. I love the internet. I've just wanted to have a platform that puts out content all the time. And, and I'm mm. not a writer. And so writing articles was not really my thing. I enjoy doing videos and podcasts and stuff like that. And so I've just sort of, you know, molded it around a bunch of different times uh, and to where we are today, we do a couple of different things throughout the week. One main live show on Tuesday nights, and then we do one teaching video uh, at other times during the week. I try to do, like, vlog-style videos, too. I did a bunch during the month of August to just do, like, uh, behind-the-scenes videos, less teachy, try to reach somebody who might not. Because, shocking enough, I know, most people don't want to watch a 45-minute live theology show uh, on a Tuesday night. So I had to figure out other ways to get them onto the platform. But uh, just through those videos, it's been really beneficial. I've made great friends. You guys have been encouragement to me as well, and just this relationship being formed and... Uh, so yeah, it's just uh, it's just it, I love it. I love doing it, and uh, the Lord has been uh, blessing it and really uh, allowing me to um, to grow with it as well. Awesome, that's awesome, man. It sounds like you're a very busy guy. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, being a business owner and then handling uh, theology nights and all the stuff that you do, it just because it's almost like I turn on. I, I get on Facebook and there's just another video, you know, going through something like, man, this guy is busy. <laughs> Does he, do you even sleep? Let's yeah. See, well, so, that. so true story. I have insomnia, like, like clinical diagnosed okay. insomnia. And so I, I, like my, my sleep, like what I would consider a good night's sleep, you guys would think like, this dude's crazy. So if I get like three or four hours of sleep, like that's a good night of sleep for me. Mm. So <laughs> like, early mornings for me or like really late nights for me and sometimes i do stuff you know at one or two in the morning and thankfully like my studio and office is in our basement so i can i can come down here and sort of get away like and, and it's not too loud i don't bug my wife too much um but yeah i just i don't know i just try to find time throughout the day and i'm very schedule oriented so you know i, I plan my days out almost by the minute and so i just you know all right, I have an elders meeting today from 4 to 6. Came home, had dinner real quick. I mowed, did the yard work, sat down for half an hour, 45 minutes, got ready for this. And so, yeah, I just have to make good use of time. Yeah. Yeah, man, it. that's it. <clears throat> well, let's jump, let's jump right into it. Uh, you know, the first thing we really want to hit is the necessity of the Old Testament. Is it necessary for today? Because a lot of people, and you know, Chris and I live in Atlanta. Uh, certain is there, hold on, is there somebody in Atlanta that doesn't think the Old Testament is important? Yeah, it's almost like he just wants to unhitch it 
from oh, the rest it of Scripture. Like it, it doesn't matter, you know. I mean, you see the New Testament. Peter and Paul, they, they didn't use it. <laughs> he sells rusty trailer hitches for a living. That's what he does. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so is so. So, I'll just pose the question: Is the New Testament relevant for today? And well, why? you mean the Old Testament? Uh, yeah, the Old Testament. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. The Old Testament. Is this anybody can answer? Or, <laughs> yeah, or anybody, yeah, anybody, yeah, so. yes, anybody, yes. Moving on. Yes. So, <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, does, does, somebody mean, wanna, does somebody want to? Does somebody want to say no, and then we can kind of like you know rebuttal yeah, that? Yeah, we'll find out who the. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, no, ab- absolutely, it is. Um, and and one of the ridiculous claims that has been made, um, by by this individual that we're speaking of and 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 his supporters is, um, well, look at look at Paul, look at Peter. They didn't use the. Uh, they didn't use the Old Testament, to which I say, well, here's what I want to do. I want to I want to go find a great copy of the New American Standard, which puts all the Old Testament quotes in bold, and I want to send it to them. <laughs> um, but but really, uh, where I I have been spending some time this week is in Romans two, uh, seventeen through twenty four in particular, um, when when Paul is is reminding. Uh, them. He's saying, if you bear the name Jew, and he's letting them know that one of the privileges that they had um, was the law, the moral law. Um, and, and and so, you know, he's talking about the, the Ten Commandments, which is the embodiment of the law. Um, and nine out of those Ten Commandments are found in the New Testament, uh, with the exception of keeping the Sabbath, which was fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, so as far as as far as how it was, how it was in the Old Testament. Um, so to reject the moral law, um, to, to quote Dr. Steve Lawson is, is the, is, is really asking for antinomianism. Um, I mean, to, to, to reject that, to say that we don't need it is asinine, not to mention second Timothy and all scripture being breathed out by God. But, uh, but yeah, that's, those are my thoughts. Uh, (laughs) the thing that confused me most, I did a review, uh, video of his, um, one of one of his sermons, and and I I don't remember the exact chain of events, but it led up to him and um, Jeff Durbin having their dialogue, mm-hmm. and like Andy Andy, well, since we're talking about him, like it's Andy Stanley. Stanley. <laughs> Just say it. We've mentioned in his case name anybody we, we, didn't we've know. said it before. <laughs> yeah, Stanley trailers. He, he, he <laughs> kept saying that we need to get our faith back upon the event and mm-hmm. focus on the resurrection and not on the Bible. And, and I get what he's saying, but mm-hmm. how do you do that if you're disconnecting yourself from Scripture? That's right. You, how you do know, you know like, about it? How do you know about it? Exactly. Like, how can you—and it was so funny because when he asked, like, Jeff Durbin, you know, where do you place your faith or how do you, <laughs> yeah, how do you arrive? Awesome. And he said the living word of God, and Andy Stanley was kind of like, oh, okay. Just, that was an uncomfortable silence right yeah. there. Yeah. It really, it really was. But, I mean, at the end of the day, like, he, he's—I mean, he's right. Like, mm-hmm. how are you supposed to know about the resurrection and how are you supposed to know about—like, I mean, let's take the book of Hebrews for an example. Mm-hmm. The book of Hebrews loses its value if there's no Old Testament. Absolutely. I mean, because think about that. That's like, right. Yes. W- how, how much, um, and it's so funny because the book of Hebrews exclusively in the New Testament context is known for chapter 11, and we don't know the author. But right. in the entire Bible itself, I mean, there is so much biblical theology inside of that book. And again, if you take the Old Testament out, that book now, I mean, you're, you're confused. Like, right. You're confused by it. That's right. That's right. 
Love it. So, yes, the Old Testament is relevant, just to put that to bed. I love it. Now, let's let's move on into our our chapter for this evening. This is actually the first time we've done a uh, an Old Testament passage. Uh, Chris and I and our, our old co-host went through Romans 1, uh, but now uh, this is the first time we've actually gone through an Old Testament passage. Uh, so uh, give us a little bit of the context of 1 Samuel 15. And I know, Chris, you've got copious notes on this. There are some notes that are of the copious nature. Uh, yeah, so uh, j- just a just a quick overview and synopsis of the of First Samuel up until this point. Um, so be- because context is key, right? When when mm-hmm. studying scripture, uh, and I've said this before, and I heard it. I can't remember where I heard it now, but uh, there are three things you have to know when studying scripture. Context, context, and context. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the Israelites um, leading up to this were demanding a king. Uh, they wanted a warrior, um, and uh, and so here comes Saul. He's he's tall. He's handsome from the tribe of Benjamin, uh, and we we see him uh, come to uh, fruition as king in First Samuel eight and nine, um, and so. Uh, and then, and then, up to this point, up until chapter fifteen, we see uh, some uh, again more failure and disobedience on his part um, before this. Uh, so that's crucial to keep in mind. Um, so, so, so here, this chapter starts out with Samuel saying to King Saul, and um, in, in, in verse one, he's saying, "The Lord sent me to anoint you as king over His people, over Israel. Now, therefore, listen to the words of the Lord." Mm-hmm. Um. And then, uh, so, so here he walks through in verse 2, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he set himself against him on the way while he was coming up from Egypt. So in Exodus 17, what you end up finding is the Lord tells Moses to record that he would utterly, absolutely exterminate and wipe out even the memory of, of them because they attacked the Israelites at their, at their weakest point. They killed women, they killed children. And so God vowed that he would destroy them. And he had Moses write it down and record it. Uh, so that's in Exodus 17, 8 through 16. So just for time's sake, we won't read that, but go read it. It's an amazing story. Um, so the, the context here is that God protects his people. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's, that's, that, that's one of the first things we need to remember all are sinners. Um, yes, absolutely. But God does protect his people. Well, not just protect his people, but what this is, is this is a, a judgment upon those who right. came against his people. His people. Correct. Right? So, vengeance. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Vengeance is the Lord. So, yeah. uh, so he attacked God's people and now God is coming back with judgment. Right. Yeah. Well, and it just gives you a little insight into the heart of God too, because I mean, we see we see sure. in James when it talks about what is what is pure and undefiled religion, right? It's taking care of the orphan and the widow in their need, right? It's mm-hmm. it's the weakest. It's those that are that aren't able to defend themselves. Uh, it's just it's consistent. His character is consistent. Yeah. Well, and going back to what we were saying about the Old Testament, um, you know, the need for the Old Testament is it shows the character and the attributes of God. 
Um, yes, the New Testament does absolutely, but um, but but that's one of the one of the purposes of the moral law. One of the purposes of especially a story like this is showing that very thing. And so, um, you know, so here we go, and 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 verse three, uh, you know, uh, it says uh, it says this now now go and strike Amalek and utterly destroy all that he has and do not spare him but put to death both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. And actually in the King James, it says when it's talking about child, it says, it says even the nursing children. I mean, so it's a very personal, Mm -hmm. very, very personal thing uh, that uh, that's going on there. So um, those are clear commands. Mm -hmm. The words of the Lord are crystal clear. Um, And so, so really, when, when we when we dive into this, um, I mean, this is this is about disobedience and obedience, um, and and we were talking before the show. Um, you know, th- this is a great follow up to uh, to our mortification of sin episode. Uh, if you haven't listened to that, uh, please do. Um, so, but uh, but but here we see a, a, an amazing example of uh, what happens when you are disobedient um, uh, to to what the Lord commands. Uh, so do you guys have anything to add or do we keep plowing through? Well, I, th- I think that the, the thing that jumps out about this and, and everything that I read and, and the question I, I, I think that is posed about this is how could a loving God like kill all of these people, but especially how could he kill the children? Mm. And what I found that was interesting in one of the articles that I was reading prior to uh, the episode was that God knew that the Amalekites would always oppose Israel, that the children of the Amalekites would do it when they grew up and their descendants too. So it's kind of this like, you know, this progression that God knew. Okay. So God's ways are higher than our ways Mm. and his sovereignty over all of this and saying like, Listen, like I'm taking care of this right now before it gets even worse. Like you guys might right. like not realize that right now, but because I am the Lord and I know it, then it it had it had a um there was a note here it said suppose you met Stalin or you met Hitler. Mm. Uh suppose you somehow knew all the evil that they would do, all the lives that they would destroy and that the only way you could stop it was by killing them and that was within your power. Could it be right to kill them in such a situation? And he says, it isn't an easy question, and it's similar to Bonhoeffer. And then he goes on right. and tells the story about Bonhoeffer and wrestling with trying to kill Hitler and being in Nazi Germany and all of that. And so that's kind of relating those two uh, situations in more of a modern uh, a modern picture for us today. Hmm. Well, sure, when you look at... You look at what ends up happening, and, and we're gonna, you know, we'll talk about this in in, in detail. But um, had Saul been obedient to the clear commands that that the Lord gave him, then that would have saved the Israelites over five hundred years of dealing with 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 battles uh, with 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 these people. Um, I mean, and, and, and we'll, we'll get there later, you know, once we get towards the end of the chapter, but I mean, for crying out loud, the, <laughs> the Amicalites end up, end up capturing David's family and end up coming after women and children in chapter 30 of first Samuel. Um, they end up appearing in Esther chapter three, it's five centuries over five centuries later. Um, 
So, but Brad, you're absolutely right, man. That's, I mean, it's, there's a, there's always a specific purpose behind what God commands. Mm-hmm. First and foremost would be for, for his glory and, and our obedient, you know, us being obedient to him. But then mm-hmm. there, there's always, always a plan there. Mm-hmm. That's good. Now, let's, before we get into uh, moving through the rest of the chapter, let's, let, let's tackle the question of this passage specifically, or do we need to connect the rest of the chapter, uh, this pointing to Jesus? In what way does this point directly to Jesus? Or do we need to finish the rest of the chapter? Hmm. Uh, I, I say let's finish it, because especially yeah. when, with what happens uh, mm-hmm. to Agag, yeah. Uh, I, I, I think, I think very much, very much points to Christ in that moment. Okay. Um, so, but no, that's, that's a good question. So, mm-hmm. um, I won't, I won't read through, uh, th- this next, you know, this next section, but, but, uh, to summarize Saul, you know, he, he summons, uh, 200,000 foot soldiers, 10,000 men of Judah. Um, and, uh, he, he told the, he told the, 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 the Canaanites, he said, go depart, get, get away, uh, you know, you showed kindness to the sons of Israel, so so get out of here. This 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 it, it's a it's about to go down. Uh, you know, it's kind of it's kind of <laughs> like yeah yeah yeah. So uh, so you know so so it says in verse eight, kind of where I wanted to pick up was Saul defeated the Amalekites. Am I saying that right? Amalekites, Amalek- as, Amalekites. As long as, Amalekites. long as you say it quickly, there it with is. Confidence, man. No one That's right, Amalekites. There it is, um, and. So it says in verse eight that he captured Agag, the king of, I'm going to do it again, uh, uh, Amicalites. I, I don't know why I'm having trouble tonight. Uh, he captured them alive. This is just how it goes down. Um, and and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. Um, so we see immediate, right there in verse eight that the Lord was clear. He said, do not spare him, specifically in verse 3, was talking about the king. He says, do not spare him. So then in verse 9, uh, but Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the, the lambs, and all that was good, and were not willing to destroy them utterly, but every everything despised and worthless that they utterly destroyed. Mm-hmm. So, so what ends up happening here, uh, and and this happens in all of our lives, right? We see selfishness, we see we see covetousness, we see pride, we see idolatry, and we just talked about this mm-hmm. last uh, last episode. Um, but that coveting is is the root of every motivation behind every sin. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the last sin listed in the Decalogue. Um, and again, it's that basic motive for all sin. It's it's Satan's fall. He desired to be like God. And when you look at the word covetousness in Scripture, specifically Colossians three five, which which we talked about last week, um, it's the desire for advantage, right? The grasping with aggression at what's not ours, at what we, at what's forbidden, at what we don't deserve, and it is the antithesis of contentment and the will of God specifically here. He uh, Samuel was so clear that the Lord said, this is what you're to do. Mm-hmm. And Saul and the people said, no, That's absolutely right. not. No, no, we're going to capture him. 
Yeah. That's what we're going to do. We're going to well, capture him, so, well, and we're going to keep all the good stuff yeah, for us. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, what you see is Saul given a clear command, and then he rejects the command, places himself in the position of God, and he then declares what is good and What's what good. is to yeah. be despised. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Right? Because God didn't say, he didn't say, you know, uh, you know, kill what's worthless and, and what is despised right. and then keep what's good. It's all worthless and despised because yeah. God told you to kill it. Yeah. So, so he, Saul has ascended himself into the position of God. And as we get, and, and then he tries to justify it and try to, oh, yeah. tries to cover his tracks in the next section of scripture. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and so you see, uh, this section in verse 10, starting in verse 10, says the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I regret that I have made Saul king for he has turned back. I'm sorry. He has turned back from following me and has not carried out my commands. And Samuel was distressed and cried out to the Lord all night. So verse 11, um, Wait, that was verse 11. Oh, so I'm sorry. I already read that. Uh, verse 12, sorry. Uh, Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul. And when it, was, uh, when it was told Samuel saying, Saul came to Carmel and behold, he set up a monument for himself and then turned and proceeded to go down to Gilgal. So not only did he not do what God commanded, not only did he decide what was good and what was not good, then he builds this monument to himself like, look at all that I did. Look at all that I accomplished. Look at all that I've built with my own two hands. Um, and at this point, Saul's like, Samuel's like, uh, no. <laughs> no, this, 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 this ain't going to work. Um, but no, so, but, but back up real quick to, yeah. uh, I think it was 11, N- not just that Samuel, you know, w- w- was like, no, this isn't going to work, but this, it grieved him. Yeah. It was grieving to, he out. cried yeah. out to the Lord all night. I mean, all night, this was something because I mean, Samuel is the prophet. He, he is in earlier chapters. He's the, he's the seer, right? He's the one that people come to, and he's the one that has the direct connection to the Lord. And Saul was king, and this grieved him. I mean, I'm trying to think of something that has grieved me, and I mean, really. Well, think think, think about this. It's like you as a leader, when you appoint someone into a position, right? You appoint someone, and then they fall. Mm-hmm. Or they mess up. You got a brother or sister in Christ who, who falls and who sins and who, who messes up, um, and, and that may be someone that you backed in the past, or, or you know, you know, you know what I mean. Like, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it grieved him, and I mean, it's Samuel. Uh, you know, backing up to verse one, the Lord sent me to anoint you. That's right. Yeah. You know, the Lord sent me to anoint you, and then, and then when you, I mean, you find out that that. You know, you're disobedient and and you sinned. It, it, yeah, absolutely. I mean that, and that's a good call out too. Um, you know, something we were talking about on our text thread uh, is you know how. And Brad, we were actually talking about about Benny Hinn um, uh, with this. How do you respond? You know, when you when 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 there's somebody in your life, um, or or you know of someone that is caught up in in sin, disobedience, uh, errant theology. 
um, uh, I mean, on closed-handed issues, when it's a gospel mm. issue like this, yeah. you know, how, how yeah. do you respond? How do you, you know, is it just you get mad at them and, and hacked off and say, you know, see ya? Um, or is it like Samuel did, mm-hmm. where it grieved him, and so you're, you're calling out and crying out to God all night. You're really yep. wrestling with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good observation. We had a uh, discussion. Uh, we have a, uh, me and uh, two of our other elders, we're working through an eldership book together, and then we meet to talk about previous Sunday sermon, and then the Sunday sermon coming up. So we had that this afternoon, and we were discussing. Um, we have a couple of churches, I'm sure, like you guys do in your area as well, especially in Atlanta. A couple of churches that are very entertainment seeker driven, and oh, yeah. there's a specific church that is very much that way, and they actually are planning a campus in one of the universities where we have a big college in our town and they have a, a campus there now. And we are on campus like, like the, the, you could see where the, the campus starts from our church. And so we're that close. And so we've always been engaged. And so we were discussing, like, we all have a negative opinion of this church. And now like, how do we not like, how do we look at this as, as, as a good thing? Because there is the possibility of these kids, maybe they're hearing the gospel and maybe there's a lot of good coming out of it. But but how do we not allow our anger to just get in the way mm. of helping these people out? Because, you know, we do it like we admitted this, like we see their stickers on cars around town. And like immediately the thought that goes in my head is like, oh, my gosh, like why in the world are they going to that church? Like, mm. it's just so, you know, you know what I mean? Like. There's just it's just such a fine line when it comes to that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's tough. It really is. But I think like like what it, he's uh, he says that he he cried out all night. It's like and, and the ESV uses the term that he was angry and he cried all mm-hmm. night to the Lord, mm-hmm. which would like I like that how it happened. He's angry and then he immediately goes to the Lord like he's yeah, he's good. not yeah. it doesn't say like and he was angry all night, period. Like he's trying to he's recognizing that that is wrong mm. and and he's taking it to the one person who can remove that anger from him mm-hmm. and, and he yeah. takes it to the lord mm. so i yeah, like that progression good. yeah that's good man that's from the esv you hear that chris esv <laughs> esv amen <laughs> hey. nasb is the elect standard version <laughs> the non-arminian standard bible <laughs> Sorry, I'll put my mic back on mute. Sorry, guys. (laughs) (laughs) We, Josh, we told you you're you're in the family. You're just the little brother. That's all. Better than the weaker. Better than the weaker brother. That's okay. Are you an ESV guy, Josh? Oh yeah. Okay, that's fine. I'm an ESV guy. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think have... I think it's me and you against against a couple. No, no, no. It's not and against ESV. Is ES, yeah. ESV is my number two. No, ESV it is, is it two. is against. <laughs> if you are not with us, you are you are, not, you are not, not for you, us. Then you are, you are against us. You were never of us. <laughs> oh wow, man. We're, uh, we're, we're apostate I, now. That's, wow. that's right. I, ironically, though, I I grabbed the Bible that was, was closest to me was my my Nasby. 
So that's why, nice. like, I was reading along was my Nasby. Is that an Allen? Yeah. It's an Allen, yeah. 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 But see, but then you realized yeah. that it wasn't quite sufficient, so you oh, had to grab yeah. the ESV, Listen, right? Yeah. So I, and we're, I won't get you guys off topic, but I just have to say, so I have my Cambridge wide margin right here. Nice. Mm. The nicest looking internal Bible I've ever seen is this Allen NASB. That's right. Without yeah. a doubt. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's just, there's nothing that compares to it. Yeah. I 100% agree with you. I but I have a I have I have the ESV preaching Bible the the and I and I really enjoyed that one I the paper in that one's phenomenal it's awesome um so and and I and I, and I do read it sometimes Josh <laughs> <laughs> all right uh so so here Samuel goes to Saul and uh, uh let's see verse thirteen <laughs> Samuel Samuel came to Saul that was loud. Um, and, uh, Samuel came to Saul and Saul said to him, notice who speaks first, blessed are you of the Lord. I have carried out the command of the Lord. Wait, what you, you did what? Um, (laughs) so, and it's one of those things that it's again, using scripture to dive in and interpret and try to figure out what's going on. Uh, this is either just just blissful ignorance or it, it's 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 a deceitful lie, mm-hmm. you know, saying that I have carried out the command of the Lord. And and again, in First Samuel 12, we, we see another instance of 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 Saul's shortcomings. Um, so and, and but it, but it's how often we, do we do this? I mean, th- this is where when I got into this section this week of of, of reading this chapter, I really started started asking that question internally. How often do we do this, right? How often when we, when we fall short or we mess up, whether it's with our wives, whether it's with our families, uh, church members, um, do, do, uh, do, do, do we speak first in guilt? Um, do, we, do we say, I have done this? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I just that, that question got me. Um, so then you notice the next verse um, when, so when he says, I carried out the commands of the Lord, so verse 14, but Samuel said, well, what then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears and, and the lowing of oxen, which I hear, <laughs> I then, then, then it, if this is the case, if you've carried out the commands of the Lord, why am I why hearing is, animals? Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and then, and then look at Saul's response. Saul said, they have brought them from the Amicalites mm-hmm. for the for the people spared the best of the sheep and oxen, and here's the big thing, to sacrifice to the Lord your God, but the rest we have utterly destroyed. Man. So Th- he twists could... the command. Yeah. Okay? He twists the command and then shifts the blame. Mm-hmm. All right there yeah. in that, that one sentence. And then so, his excuse is so that we could bring worship to the Lord. Yeah, it's almost as if he's saying, let's let's forget about all of that stuff, and now we're going to offer something good to yeah. negate all the bad. Yeah. And that wasn't how God wanted to be worshipped. That's right. Obedience is what he required and requires. Now, s- side note here, God is clear, and, and I know this is going to open a can, and I'm okay with opening this can, God is very clear in scripture on how he is to be worshiped. Mm-hmm. And yep. there are so many people inside of evangelical Christianity today. And yes, I am thinking specifically of Bethel and Jesus culture and Hillsong and elevation and passion 
who have taken liberties when it comes to Scripture mm-hmm. and improper hermeneutics, or as my friend Daryl Harrison would say, hermeneutical gymnastics, and and they have twisted things to fit the feeling, quote unquote, that we have during worship when really that specifically in the extreme circumstances, and I'm thinking of Bethel specifically, Jesus culture, that is strange fire before the Lord, and that is an abomination mm-hmm. to God. That's right. So I'll pause right here and let you guys kind of speak into that. But their music makes me feel good, Chris. Like, yeah. what do you mean? Like, it yeah. makes me, like it's catchy, man. It makes Come me on. want to give myself yeah. a hug. I mean, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I can't even physically do that, guys. Come on. <laughs> what? Is, Come on now, <laughs> but 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 I mean even even talking about the the feeling right, uh, I'm sure it made Saul feel good. All these things that he gathered right, just like it made before Cain, Samuel got there. Yeah, yeah before yeah. Samuel got there. <laughs> before I mean just like just like it made Cain feel good to offer up his his uh, his offering to the Lord of what he thought would have been acceptable, right? But. I mean, yeah. that, that is not what God requires. What God requires is obedience to his command, and that is the proper worship that we bring. So, uh, I mean, even Saul says, you know, these sheep and oxen are to be sacrificed to the Lord. Well, whether he thinks they're good sheep to be sacrificed— does not make them good sheep in the eyes of the Lord. Yeah. It actually yep. makes them a detestable sacrifice. Yeah. Yep. Amen. They, well, and it's almost like he's saying, you know, well, wait a minute. Look, isn't this better? Yeah. Mm. You know, isn't now we this don't better have to take killing from our sheep. <laughs> well, no, isn't this better than killing everything? You know, you know now. Well, that's true. Now, now we don't have to take from our sheep, and it just and again it goes with the the, the Saul's track record of self love and self worship and him thinking he knows better and wanting things for himself so drew, drew that's a good call out man i mean it's now we don't have to sacrifice our, our sheep well now let's connect that let's connect this where we are right now to uh to when saul became king because why was he king he was king he became king as judgment on Israel for That's Israel right. turning their back on God. So now right. what you see in Saul being king is the fallenness of Saul and the the turning away from God. Ba- basically, he's the representation of Israel. He's turning away from God and constantly going after the things that he wants, uh, things that please him. And then he tries to say these things that please him are really to please God. Please God, right. Right. Well, and so Samuel, Samuel cuts him off, you know, like Sam, Samuel says, wait, wait, let me tell you what actually I, I love. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let me tell you what the what the Lord. <laughs> Why said do I always have night. to tell you what you think? Right. <laughs> and so and if yeah, I want your opinion, about, we were just talking you. about that the other day. That's the I best a, line I'm, yep. ever. Yeah. I made a comment. I forget who how we got on the topic of either way, but I just said how much I missed him just the other day. I know. Yeah. Yep. I'm gonna start crying here on the podcast. I'm gonna mute my mic oh, again. Man. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well so so here here's a good question for all of us, right? Do we have I mean, now obviously S- Samuel was a was was a bit hacked off and and uh and just like wait. Just wait. Um and but do we have people in our lives that are that are willing to give us that kind of fearless feedback 
that will say stop, wait, enough, uh, enough is enough. And then so Saul, Saul says, speak. Yeah. And, 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 and I think the punctuation here, and I say this a lot, AG's heard me say this at church, um, you can't just read past the punctuation in scripture. Um, when he says speak, I kind of see this as like a, okay, fine, what? Yeah. Speak. Go ahead. What are you going to, what, what do you have to say? Um, and, uh, and so then, then Samuel just, just, just lays on the rebuke, you know, it, it is not true. Though, though you were, a, were little in your own eyes, you were made the head of the tribes of Israel and the Lord anointed you over the, no, no, I'm sorry, I can't read, anointed you king over Israel and the Lord sent you on a mission. He gave you a way and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amicalites, and fight against them until they are exterminated. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord, but rushed upon the spoil and did what was evil in sight of the Lord? So, uh, so there's a a lot there. (laughs) No, no, no. I'm just saying there's just so much there. It's interesting that he, he classifies the Amalekites specifically as sinners. Yeah. Like, like that's, you know, to further the point, but then he says you did what was evil in the sight of the like it's like nah you didn't just mess up a little bit like what you did was actually evil because yeah. and that's how strong like you, we should look at disobedience to the lord it's evil mm. amen yeah, brother that's good yeah yep so and 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 what does Saul do uh, i mean here here Samuel's saying you know you pounced on you 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 darted at you rushed at uh, the spoil, the plunder, the treasure, and it wasn't yours to take, and you were told not to. And, Brad, that's a great call-out. That's that's evil in the sight of the Lord. And what does Saul do in verse 20? He's still, still trying to defend himself. And Saul said to Samuel, I did obey the voice of the Lord and went on the mission on which the Lord sent me and have brought back Agag, king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took some of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the choicest of the things devoted to destruction to sacrifice to the Lord your God at Gilgal. So again, he's he's still defending himself and then he's still trying to shift the blame a little bit. I I I, I kind of see, you know, but but you have to remember and, and and the defense there, you see it in the first word when his he responds in verse 21, but mm-hmm. and then he says the people. Well, it's like, look, bud, you're the leader. Yeah. Yeah, You're the leader. Right. You're responsible yeah. for the actions of your yeah. people. But even look, 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 so, so, so go back where he says, "I have, com- I have obeyed the command of the Lord. I brought back Agag." Well, you were never commanded to do that. Yeah, you that, were commanded to kill him. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you uh, see that 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 mirrors Genesis. I was just very, about to say that very harshly. Yeah, yeah, it was the the wife that you gave me. Yeah, the she woman you the put one. here, and then <laughs> yeah. and then and then even even down to the detail yeah. of when Eve re reiterates the command, it's skewed. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. Even yeah. down to that, that you change the definition, you change the command, so that it lessens your mm. violation of it. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. we see that even today in our society and churches is, is if you can if you can redefine the manual a little bit, if you can change oh, and 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 reformat 
the law of God so that it makes your violation of it seem less severe. Mm -hmm. It eases the conscience and it gives you the ability to live in that lie easier. And we see that with Eve. We see that with Saul. We see that with ourselves. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, and going back to what we were saying about worship, you going back to what, 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 you know, uh, what, what makes some of this stuff so, and what makes this so dangerous for the Israelites is because okay so and I'm asking this question because I, I I don't remember so I instead of skimming through it it says that that Samuel gave this command to Saul so what kind of command did Saul give to the Israelites mm. did he say did he tell the Israelites we're going in here to exterminate these people and mm. everything here or did he give them the command hey go in here bring Agag to me keep the choices for a sacrifice for, you know what did he command them to do yeah either I, way he's guilty yeah absolutely you know, and, absolutely and, and, so and so what either i'm either way he's responsible so so what i'm getting at is you know when we as leaders especially as pastors elders um you know one of the reasons that you know we see in the book of James that not everyone should be desired desire to be teachers um, because we will be held to a higher standard. When you look at things that, that come out of Bethel, for instance, Bill Johnson, um, I will double down on this again. That man is a heretic. And the reason I'm saying that is because he, he takes, he, he, he puts this, this, this heretical, dangerous, deadly teaching, um, the Arian heresy of, of, of Jesus being just a man doing what he did by the power of the Holy Spirit and not being God, for example. That's just one. But there's a little kernel of truth in there, and that's what makes it so deadly. It's one of the things that Costi says in his book, Defining Deception, is the da- the dangerous truth, the most dangerous truth out there is is the truth that is that is wrapped in sweet, wrapped in chocolate, wrapped yep. in wrapped in truth. Yep. And so I, that's what makes me wonder what did Saul tell the Israelites? So anyway, side note. That's good. Yeah. Well, and that's what every cult does. Yeah. And and, and at this point, I mean, I don't I, I don't want to speak for the three of you, but I'm comfortable calling the Bethel movement a cult. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. Yeah, they too. changed yeah. they changed the person of Jesus Christ. They stripped yes. him of what it means to be God. And when you do that, it strips him of his power to save. That's right. Yeah. Right. Amen. Brad, you got something to say, my man. Go for it. No. <laughs> uh, I did a uh, – I watched a Bill Johnson uh, sermon. Uh, gosh, when was this? Just a little while ago I did a review on it. But uh, basically he he incorporated physical healing with, like, salvation. Like, one broad stroke, like, the work of Christ on the cross accomplished healing and salvation. And wow. so, like, there's so many questions that then just come through my mind. But, like, how then are you supposed to rationalize somebody who is sick, who is a legitimate born-again believer? Like, mm-hmm. like. Well, yeah, you can't. I mean, and my question to him is, was he preaching that sermon with glasses? Yeah. I was, <laughs> thank you, Josh. You and I are on the same page tonight because I was. One time he had, broken fing- he had broken fingers one time. Yes. They were, they were yes. taped together. Like. So either either your faith isn't strong enough to heal you, or the work of Jesus Christ isn't as powerful as yeah, you say it is. Yeah, because then because what happens is you get into this circle. Because I've had this conversation with people before about this, like, mm-hmm. well, who is actually doing the miracle? Is it you or God? Well, absolutely, right. it's God. Okay. Well, then why wasn't so and so healed? Okay. So right. 
if they don't have enough faith, then that means the person is now in control of healing. So it can't right. be that answer. And then if you say, you know, well, God didn't heal. Okay, well, then now you're opening up a whole new line of, of thought about your theology. Right. Like, let's, you know what I mean? And you right. just kind of get stuck in the circle. And most yeah. times they just kind of yell at me and tell me that yeah. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> 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 we don't we know really what that's like. I don't even, dude, I don't <laughs> even get yelled at. I wish I did. I just get blocked on Facebook. Like, I just, <laughs> like, well, getting yelled yeah. at would be a plus. You're right? just, you're just that, sowing yeah. discord. That's all. Yeah, I am, yeah. I am unloving. <laughs> I'm unloving. That's what well, I that's unity that's not true. founded in the truth of Scripture is not unity. So there's no discord to sow. If anyway, I'll, I'll I won't. Yeah. Well, I mean, you just said it, James three. We're gonna be. I mean, you know what I mean. That's like that's serious. Like yes. that, that is serious. Yep. And, and now, especially with what the platforms that we have and stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we're we're impacting more than just a congregation. There's there's mm-hmm. quite a lot of people, and and so right. yeah, that yep. that's a serious charge. Yes. Serious. Yeah, right. Yes, it absolutely yeah. is. It is. Right. It is. Yeah. So, uh, so back to our text, uh, small rabbit hole, but a good one, um, yeah. and, and, and appropriate, uh, you know, cause Samuel here in verse 22, and, and this, this is kind of the crux, this, this section right here is kind of the crux of this chapter. Um, and, and not just this chapter, but how we are to live our lives and as believers, how we are to worship the Lord in, as, as Colossians says, everything we do in word and deed. So Samuel said, has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. Verse 23, for the rebellion is as the sin of divination, which is witchcraft, by the way, and insubordination is is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you want to talk about a lot. Yeah. That's a, in the, man, that, that insubordination that goes back to that making yourself God and setting yourself in the place of God. Right. Right. Um so, and this isn't just an essential truth found in the Old Testament. This is, this is, like I said, this is for us today. And I like the way, you know, it says, you know, Samuel says, behold, look, low, look. Yep. pay attention. Um, uh, to obey is better than sacrifice, you know. And, 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 and the question, again, for us is, you know, w- when it comes to our sacrifice, and I'm going to kind of jump ahead here for a second, um, you know, real authentic worship always is indicated and driven by our behavior and not the the essence of our external sacrifices, rituals, or services. Now, we still do those things as worship, but it doesn't take the place of obedience. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I was reminded when I was reading this of the woman who uh, anointed Christ with perfume. Uh, or, or the other woman who gave, gave, gave a sacrifice that was worth so much more because it was everything she had. Everything, yep. And so I'm, I'm thinking about those things and, and, and how the Lord views obedience to his word. I mean, for crying out loud, in and, and the great high priestly prayer in John 17, Jesus said, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. How we are to worship is by being obedient to his word. So... I wrote down in my notes, and I don't know why I wrote it down here, so we can just ask this question. Um, when we come to this chapter and ask the question, how could a loving God sanction and command the killing or extermination of a whole people, men, 
women and children. Um, you know, here's why. And, and, and Brad, I loved what you said at the beginning. I mean, all have sinned, number one, and the penalty of sin is death. But it was for the protection of his people and, and, to, venge, and, and to, to enact vengeance on, on what happened in Exodus. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll, I'll pause there and, well, I mean, and let's, I think, let you guys add anything in. I, I mean, in that, the, the protection of his people, and we can connect this to the pointing to Christ, right? Yep. That's, the yep. God purifying for himself a people, mm. and here we see it. The protection of his people, the judgment for those who come against his people, and the purifying and sanctifying of his people. And that's what Christ does when he came to take our place on the cross. He's purifying for himself a people. And the only way that you are in Christ is uh, repentance of sin, faith in Christ, his work on the cross, and you are now grafted in to God's people, right? Mm. Um, so now you are protected. I mean, may not physically, you may get sick, you may get hit by a car or something, but you are protected in that you are in covenant with God. And uh, those who come against you, either in this life or the next, will receive judgment from God. And the Holy Spirit working within you is purifying and sanctifying you uh, into holiness. Do you guys mind if I read uh, a little bit from Hebrews 10? Go ahead, quick? please. So, because when in 1 Samuel 15, 22, Samuel said, Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than the sacrifice. So then in Hebrews 10... We get into this since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities. It can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshippers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins? Consequently, I'll jump down. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body have you prepared for Mm. me. In burnt Mm. offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. And then it says in verse 10, And by mm-hmm. that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. That's right. Mm-hmm. So you, you, as we were talking about at the beginning, what's the need of the Old Testament for today? And then, you know, using Hebrews as an example. So we're learning here that, that the, the burnt offering system is, is what Saul is using as his, his rationalization to get himself out of this issue. Mm-hmm. We learn that system was never going to work. So we point forward to what's to come and we yeah. see that. And by that will, the will of Christ, we've been sanctified through the, uh, through the body of Christ once for all. Because... And then in verse 11, every priest stands daily at his service, offering Mm. repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Work finished. Nothing Mm. left to do. Amen. Right on, brother. That is good. Right on. Well, (laughs) Selah. That's what you say right there. Well, I mean, look, look at how much Saul was worshiping himself. I mean, even even after this, th- this response, you know, so uh, Samuel says, you've rejected the word of the Lord. 
So he's rejected you from being king. Mm-hmm. And what, what a fantastic reminder uh, for those who continually reject mm-hmm. the will of God, the word of God. For those of us not in Christ, you will be rejected by him. You absolutely will. Um, look at Romans 1, 1 John 2, you know, 4 and 5. Uh, talks about obeying uh, the commands of the Lord. Um, so Saul's, Saul's sin uh, caused God to immediately remove him and his descendants okay. forever right. from well, the look throne. At, look at after, after Samuel says, you know, God has rejected you from being king. Look at Samuel's response. I have sinned. Right. I have indeed transgressed the command of the Lord and your words because I feared the people and listened to their voice. Now he's 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 really getting into uh, being repentant, but not for the sake of being repentant, for the for the sake that he was just rejected as king. He was regretting. Yeah, so, because so now now therefore please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship with the Lord. This isn't at least how how I'm reading it is it's not true repentance. It's God mm. has rejected me from being king, but I still want to be king. I so want to be king. I want to yeah. be king. So so it, he's yeah. regretting because he's grieved over the consequences. That's it's right. not repentance yeah. Yeah. that he's that he's sinned against a holy God. That's right. And and he only repents. Notice he only repents. He finally says I've sinned after Sa- Samuel says uh, God has rejected you from being king. Yeah. Not after so, Samuel already called him out numerous times before. Multiple times. Yeah. You know, and then and then he you know, and then he's again wanting to save face and wanting wanting Samuel to go back with him uh, so that it looks good in front of the people. Mm-hmm. Um and, and again and also too in verse twenty four, uh he says, uh, I have uh, I have indeed transgressed uh, transgressed the command of the Lord uh and your words because I feared the people and listened to their voice again it's like their voice i listened to their voice they, they, they weren't listening and so verse 25 he's concerned with appearance he, he's he's you know he, he wants samuel's appearance in front of the people uh and then saul in verse 20 or samuel in verse 26 uh i will not return with you and again repeats what he did in verse 23 for you have rejected the word of the lord and the lord uh, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. And so he, he's repeating himself again. And so then Samuel turns to leave, and you can almost see the picture, right? Like, wait, no, don't go. Yeah. And he reaches out, and in verse 27 says, Saul sees the edge of his robe, and it tore. So Samuel, being quick-witted, wise man, right? Prophet of the Lord says, um, so Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to your neighbor and, and, and kind of kicking him, not while he's down and that kind of sounds negative, but one who's better than you. And that of course is David. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so it's, it, it's, it's an incredible story. And then, and then it really gets good, uh, here in a second. Um, and in verse 29 it says also the glory of Israel will not lie. Or change his mind, for he is not a man that he should change his mind. And so I just wanted to pause right there. That 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 immediately took my mind uh, to James one seventeen, who is uh, what a great reminder of that 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 our our our, our heavenly Father is in lights. He does not change like the shifting of shadows. Um, and there was a cross cross reference here um, as a reminder. It's First Chronicles twenty nine eleven, 
And it's a reminder of, of who it is we serve and who issues the commands we find in Scripture. And, and, and this is David's prayer in First Chronicles. And I just want to read this because this was so good. This stopped me in my tracks today. Uh, David says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and earth is yours. Yours is the dominion, O Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. And something I noticed, the tone between that and Saul. And so when Samuel says there's one better than you, hello. Yep. <laughs> so then now, now we get into the action scene. Uh, and it's uh, so over verse 30. Um, you know, uh, verse back up verse 29, you know, Samuel says that, that God's not going to change his mind. And in verse 30, he says again, Saul saying, I have sinned, but please honor me now before the elders of my people and before Israel and go back with me that I may worship the Lord, your God. So Samuel, I think just kind of going, okay, that that's probably the wisest decision. Went back following Saul and it says Saul worshiped the Lord. Um, you know, but again, I, I come back to that question. Was it authentic? Yeah. Was there authenticity in his worship? Was there, what, what, and especially for us in, in, in moments of repentance or when we're worshiping God, is there fear? Is there trembling? Or is it so people can see us and say, man, that's a holy man right there? Mm-hmm. Um, so well, even the, the tone of ahead. that in verse 30 makes it sound like his concern is with other people's viewing him. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Like he wants. You know, like it says, honor me now before the elders of my people and before Israel. Come back with me so they don't think something's wrong and they'll still look at me in the same way. Like that's, you know, it sounds like he's just trying to still exalt himself even in that situation. Absolutely. Well, and, you know, uh, I heard somebody ask, uh, ask once uh, concerning Saul, do you think, do you think Saul's in heaven? And I'm like, I, I don't know, but. If we're told that that fruits of 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 being you know uh, one who who the Lord would look upon and uh, is is obedience and 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 genuine repentance and so it doesn't look so good uh, but I don't know we can't make that call um, so uh, so yeah any, any thoughts on that by the way throwing that thought out there I see Brad smiling I'm like. <laughs> I was thinking back to, do you guys remember when Joel Osteen was on Larry King? Oh, yeah. Which and, time? Uh, yeah, good. And uh, Larry King, uh, you know, a Jewish man, of course, was pressing, you know, Mr. Osteen about, like, you know, who goes to heaven and who's not. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, Joel just basically said, I'm, I'm, I'm very cautious about who I'm going to say. is You know, he's <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm not God. I'm, I'm just going to let God work it out. Like, yeah, I don't uh, know. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. I, I don't mean, know. That, you know, that's I'm that not... that that is where uh that that's where Lawson gets that you know. <laughs> give us some give men. Give us some men who know the truth. That's it. Funny story, Brad and Josh. You don't know this either, but Drew does because he was there at the Shepherds Conference this year. Uh, I I we attended uh, Lawson's breakout uh, for. Uh, the life of Jonathan Edwards, <laughs> yeah. phenomenal breakout. And there he starts laughing. He knows what I'm going to say. 
And and I wanted to have him write in in the the cover of of actually my ESV single column legacy heirloom. Ooh, uh, nice see, there you go. Nice see, one. see. Uh, I I wanted to have him write. Give us some men who know the truth. <laughs> and he starts writing. Okay, I have a picture of this, and I may have to post it after this uh, comment here. And he got distracted by somebody who um, he was he was there attending the conference who special needs and, and was very excited to meet Dr. Lawson. And and so he wrote, give us some men. And that was it. And then signed his name. <laughs> so it was. I mean, yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Some men. Uh, men, men, men. Anyway. Fun times with Dr. Lawson. Yeah. So. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway, so we went back worshiping. Uh, I mean, I don't, I, I mean, it may have, I don't think it was authentic. Uh, but then, man, again, the action scene is coming now. Uh, verse 32, then Samuel said, bring me Agag, the king of the Amicalites. And Agag came to him cheerfully. cheerfully. And Agag said, surely the bitterness of death is past. Thinking, I made it. I escaped. I am not going to die. They have taken me prisoner. I'm getting my three square meals a day. Uh, I'm good. No. And uh, Samuel, but Samuel said, and again, Samuel was a prophet, right? And a lot of uh, theologians and, and people I was stu- just had comments on this were saying that this, this was not Samuel. Samuel was not one of these warriors. Uh, but, but Samuel says, as your, as your sword has made women childless so shall your mother be childless among women and the the nas says in samuel hewed agag to pieces before the lord at gilgal are we just going to overlook the fact that samuel dropped the first mom joke ever (laughs) 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 i feel like this is worth worth looking at like samuel's like yeah Uh, yeah. uh uh-huh yeah, your mom's going to be childless. <laughs> That's good. I'm not contributing anything beneficial to this discussion. That's the best so observation of the night. Though. Dude, that is, man. That is that is awesome. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but... Well, I mean, I was going to go into the, the, this is this is showing the wrath of God against sin, but it's kind of hard to do that after talking about a mom joke. Um, <laughs> this is divine judgment, and and and, 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 and this is why um, this is why I thought it was good to, to really talk about pointing to Christ at this moment uh, after we get done talking about this, because this is Samuel uh, enacting the divine judgment, and it shows the wrath of God. Um, against sin, and because again we talked about it earlier, because the the Israelites didn't exterminate them, I mean they show up and wreak havoc for the next five centuries. Um, so, uh, and the, you know then the chapter closes out. Uh, you know they they go back, and Samuel did not see Saul again until the day of his death, for Samuel grieved over Saul, and we talked about that earlier. And the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. So, you know, the the point of this chapter in context, um, and again, context is key um, when, when, when reading scripture, is, uh, is, is obedience, obedience to the Lord. Um, I, I mean, and this is, th- this was, this was weighty for me studying this this week. Yeah. Um, and especially, 
especially after coming off of talking about the mortification of sin. This is very weighty. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but what a reminder of, of am I being obedient, not just in the big things that the Lord calls right. me to, but the small things. Right. Now, so. to go back to the, the, the real question that was posed to us concerning yeah. verse 3, once we get through the entire chapter, we see that verse 3 is just a small portion. And it's not the main portion, right? The main portion really deals with obedience to, to God and offering acceptable worship in that obedience to God. Right. Because there's a reason why, and we talked about it, there's a reason why God would have Saul or commanded Saul to kill all women, children, animals, kill them all. And, and Chris, like you've said a couple of times, it, it's going to play out for the next five centuries, that he didn't obey that command. So, but what we see in that is really the overarching theme of this chapter is obedience to God. Mm -hmm. What God has commanded you to do, you do. You do not uh, put yourself in the position of God and you then decide what is acceptable, what is not acceptable. Because at that point, uh, now, like Saul, you're going to have to try to justify yourself, and then you end up lying, you end up getting called in your lie, and then you end up really being rejected by God. Well, and and something to remember, going back to that question that was posed to us, um, and and this is not easy for me to say. I have a young son, right, three three and a half years old. Um, and as we're getting into the, the, the three and a half stage, I mean, something that you have to keep in mind um, is that we all are sinners and it isn't just that we, we become sinners when we reach puberty. It's no, no, no. We, we are sinners from the moment of conception. We are sinners and we sin against a holy God. And the punishment for that is death. Um, you know, Jonathan Edwards reminds us in sinners in the hands of an angry God, he says, there's nothing that keeps wicked men at any moment out of hell, but the mere pleasure of God. And when you look at these men, women, and children, and as hard as it is for our finite and fallen minds to comprehend, those people were sinners. They have offended God, angered God, grieved the heart of God uh, by the sin in their lives, just like we all do. And apart from the saving work of, of, of Jesus Christ and the covenant of grace that we have with him, that's what we all deserve. In, in the very moment that we sin, the first moment that we sin. Um, and if we believe that all, and we do affirm that all life begins at conception, then that means that that's, that's when sin begins. That's when it, yep. yep. So, and, and that's hard. That, that's not, that's right. not an easy pill for me to swallow. So no. please, if you hear that, please don't go, oh, well, Chris, just, no, 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 no. <laughs> that is a difficult thing for me to swallow that my adorable, precious three-year-old uh, is a sinner, and until he professes faith in the Lord and the Holy Spirit regenerates him, he is an enemy of God. Mm-hmm. That's hard, but that's the truth. Dun, dun, dun. Well, and yeah, when when talking about you know we were talking a little uh, uh, um, we were talking a little bit before, but when talking about this kind of issue, one you have to tread so carefully yeah. <laughs> because emotions yeah, yeah, yeah. are so yeah. high. Um, when, you know, ki- you know, because parents are picturing their kids and all this stuff, right? Sure. But, but, but it, 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 it really does get down to the truth that, uh, that I learned from the, um, that I learned from Sproul, 
that has really it is a comfort um, but this when you think in 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 these terms it really does magnify the gospel because you have to ask the cre- you have to ask the question correctly right the question mm, is not yeah. why would god send some to hell or why would he kill some and not others right the, the question is why why does he choose to save anybody mm, right amen. right why why does he why does he find it in his heart to love anybody why does he find mm. it good to be gracious to anybody um and it just kind of changes our mentality i think i know it did for me when i start thinking in those terms of you know it's god's universe he created it yeah, you know it's kind of the right. answer that that mm-hmm. that he gave to job right yeah. is, is, is who are that's you right. mm-hmm. uh and where were you um and as hard as that is and as hard as that is for me to wrestle with um it is i think a good answer yeah. is is that our minds are too Amen. small to comprehend mm-hmm. god yes. in his ways yes. Um, but that makes the gospel so much sweeter mm-hmm. is that and God, I love it that you, with, I love with, that. with yeah. all his power and with all his might and with all his authority, he chose, he chose to love you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he chose mm-hmm. to send Christ for you. Like, I don't know anything that magnifies the gospel more, at least in my head than that. Mm-hmm. Well, so you think about all of that, right? You think about uh, Josh and just, and, and, and that, that just immediately catapulted my mind to, to when scripture calls us adopted, and the, you look at the reason that Paul used the, the language of adoption is because in those times, uh, to be an adopted child meant you had more rights than, than, than those of natural birth um, and privileges. And, and, and for God to look at us and say, mine elect, those are mine, in spite of, of our sin and depravity that we were just talking about. You're absolutely right. It, it magnifies the beauty of the gospel. So, hey Brad, you're an associate. You're an associate pastor there, um, and you've got you got people that are under your care, uh, people that that you care about. Where would you take a hurting mom or a hurting dad that comes to you with this good question? Is you know, you know, yeah. I have little kids. Like how how I don't see how this gels with what I know about God. Where would you take them, man? Well, first, I think like you made a statement there with what I know about God. I would want to know more what that person actually knows about God. Because I think by answering that question, we could navigate our way a little bit differently instead of like looking at that verse and then trying to explain like, like we were talking about here, like, you know, God's ways are higher than our ways. And Mm -hmm. then he knew that this was going to happen. So he's protecting future generations and we could get real theological with it. But probably what happens is when a person when a person makes a comment like that, their their theology of who God is is probably off. And it, it probably has to do with lack of looking at the Old Testament. Like, I, I, I think as we were talking about that at the beginning and any time I talk about that topic, I always think about that. Like, there is a lack of, and again, I'm not broad brush painting or anything like that, but... There is a lack of knowledge among Christians in the Old Testament. And look at, we just spent an hour and 15 minutes in one chapter of the Old Testament. And we went from 1 Samuel 15 all the way to the gospel. And we can do that because we, I'm saying the four of us, 
we have an understanding of God that is not isolating the God of the Old Testament with the God of the New Testament. Like, we understand that there is this plan of redemption that starts in Genesis and runs all the way through to Revelation, and that this plan is unfolding, and there's going to be things along the way that we are not able to comprehend. However, if you, if you have a, a right theology, it, it, it certainly is not— it's certainly not easy to come to a verse like this and just go, oh, okay, well, that's just, you know, yep, man's ways, God's ways, you know, and it's, it's I don't want to, like, minimize the fact of that, but I, but I guess what I would do is I, w- I would find out what this person is believing of God the person, mm-hmm. God the Father, and walk them through how we get to Christ and how much greater Christ mm-hmm. is than what's happening in, like, say, for example, First Samuel 15. And, and how, like you were saying, Josh, that like, listen, like, like, like there, there's, you know, there's no reason for us to be here right now. Like, like it is just simply by the grace of God yeah, that, right. that he has chosen some like that, that there are some of us that are going to inherit salvation that in and of itself should cause us to just, oh my gosh, like, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I've, right. I've been asked a lot of times by people who are, um, people who are atheists for example when a hurricane happens or a a national tragedy like this like a shooting or something everybody always Mm. says where was god when that happened right Right. that's the common response well what about all the other shootings that god stopped what about all the other hurricanes that god stopped right what about all this other stuff that we have no idea that was even going to happen but god has protected us right of course, it doesn't mean like, OK, well, we just accept this stuff. It's, it's a part of the fall. It's a part of sinfulness. But we have to like we have to remember that that, that God is is working these things out for his ultimate plan. And, mm-hmm. and again, it's it's I was I was thinking about Romans nine. Like, who are you, oh, man, to answer back to God has yeah. has the ha, he has right over his lumps of clay to do what he wants with. Some for honorable use, some for dishonorable use. That's his choice. He can do that. But again, that comes from a right understanding of who he is. Mm-hmm. And so I think I would just work with that person and, and try to help them uh, better understand who you know God is. And then let's work our way to, to Christ and, and, and his work on that person's behalf. I think that's what mm-hmm. I would do. Mm-hmm. Yep. Fantastic. That's good. That's good. That's good, man. That's good. <clears throat> well, now we're going to... Uh, introduce a new segment that we decided we're going to do. Uh, now, if you if you listen to us, you notice that we talk about the gospel often uh, in our shows, but we don't intentionally give the gospel. But now uh, we're going to start at the end of every show. We're going to intentionally give the gospel. Uh, and if you're saying, well, this is the part where I just need to tune out. No, you actually need mm-hmm. to listen because every, e- even if you are a believer, you're a pastor, whatever, you need the gospel. You need to be preaching it to yourself daily because we are sinners daily. We always, every, every, every day we sin against a holy God and we need to be reminded of the gospel. Uh, uh, Paul Washer, oh, I'm sorry, Drew. No, uh, go ahead. Yeah. But Paul Washer reminds us that the initial look at the gospel is uh, through, through scripture by the power of the Holy Spirit is what converts us. But a continual look at the gospel is what uh, sanctifies us more and more into the image of, of Christ. Mm-hmm. So uh, if you're hearing this and, and, and you think you don't need to 
hear the gospel, then then you definitely need to hear the gospel. I was just I was just going to say that I would argue that that person is the one that needs to hear the gospel That's the right. most because yep. even in my own life, and I'm I'm certainly not uh, immune to something like this. Even in my own life, when I sort of see myself getting on autopilot and stuff like that. It's when I think in the back of my head, like, well, the gospel is just this. Or like when I hear sermons and I'm like, I can't wait to tell so-and-so about this sermon because they need to hear it. Like, that's an example. Like, that's me forgetting the gospel. Like, that's me right. forgetting and right. having it, you know, dying to myself every day when I wake up and remembering that it's about Christ. That's right. So now for the, the first time of this new segment, I would actually like for Josh to give the gospel. Wow, and I and I didn't even know we were doing this segment. Okay, <laughs> I mean you had a you had a few a few you have brilliant, thirty seconds. You had a yeah. few hold on, brilliant. Hold on, let me Google. Hold on, <laughs> you, you had some really nice zingers in there, but now I want you to tone That's it right. in. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ, that God, God were created in God's image fell due to our pride and our sin, but God had a plan before the foundation of the world that salvation and redemption would come through one person, and that person is Jesus Christ. Through his perfect life, his death, and his resurrection, he pays the penalty for our sin, that if we trust in Christ through faith and in the righteousness that he has on our behalf, salvation is granted to us through his work, sustained by his power, and uh, yeah. will be brought to fulfillment when we enter into the gates of heaven and see the one that has saved us. Mm-hmm. That everything is in and through and for God through Christ. And that's what I would say the gospel mm-hmm. is. Amen. The scripture says that today is the day of salvation. Yeah. Now, so if if you're listening to this, uh, and uh, the, the Lord through the Holy Spirit is convicting you of sin. Confess that sin, whether you're a believer or not. Confess, confess, confess that sin to him as he is faithful and just to forgive. Uh, and turn your eyes, turn your eyes on, on to Jesus. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of uh, Matter of Theology. Did he pass? Did I pass? I don't know. You guys just, you guys left me hanging. Yeah. (laughs) Just kind of (laughs) like. He just kind of like, silence. Like, all right, well. Yeah. I I was a minute right on. I don't know if you heard. I don't know if you heard me. I was, I was. I I, get a call tonight. Like, Josh, do you know what the gospel is? (laughs) (laughs) Turn to Romans chapter three. Oh no, so much pressure. Oh, good gracious. I especially like that you put before the foundation of the world because yeah, that yeah. that just there's so much weight inside of that mm, because yeah. oftentimes Amen. like when I'm speaking with an unbeliever, they're thinking, Well, did God like have to come up with this plan like after the fall? And like what you know, but but I mean just like that speaks to just so much. I, I really appreciate that you added yeah. that. That was that was good. Yeah. yeah hey, Chris, when you were brother. talking, when you were talking, it made me think about uh, Vody uh, when he's talking to unbelievers about the gospel, about repent and believe on Christ. And they go, yeah. well, well, how do I know if no repent, believe on Christ? You'll mm-hmm. never know unless you just repent and believe on Christ. <laughs> there you go. man. Right. All right. That's where it starts. Yep. Yep. OK, so now that's going to do it for this episode <laughs> of Matter of Theology. We want to thank our guest, Brad Weber, for Brad, joining thank you, us. Man. It was Man, great. I feel like I've known you guys for many, many years. This was uh, this was Likewise, truly an man. honor. Yeah, this was yeah truly we're, an now honor. we're BFFs. That's right. That's I'm happy to BFFs for life. 
That's right. <laughs> make sure you go check out Theology Nights. Also, yeah. make sure you go check out Every Day on Monday with our very own co-host, Josh Loftus. That's right. Thank you again. Yeah, no problem. You know, I, I just like promoting people, man. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's what That's I do. Right. But <laughs> till next time, we will catch you later. See ya. Thank you.